My name is Katie Dalebow, and you are listening to Let It Out with me. I'm your host, and on this podcast, every week I talk to fascinating people who are creative and funny and interesting, and I have these long, sometimes two hours plus meandering conversations with them where I talk about all different things from wellness and spirituality to success and mindset and what they had for breakfast, and whatever they think happens, you know, after we die, and everywhere in between. And today is someone who I didn't know before this podcast, but I've since gotten to go to her really cool space called Shakti Bar in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg, in New York, and I've met her. We ended up going to this really cool Jewish Seder together. I'd never been to one, and it was fantastic, amazing conversation and food and people, and we just had a really lovely day together. So you're going to love Corinne as much as I do. We talk about the wellness industry and yoga and bar and not feeling enough and feeling like we're too much and being women in this world and navigating feeling our feelings and body image and all the things we normally talk about. I might sound kind of different right now because I don't have my microphone or the computer I normally record on because I'm in New York City. And I'm looking for apartments, actually, because next time we talk, well, not the next time we talk, but in like three times when we talk on this podcast, I will be living in New York. It's coming up really soon. I'm moving at the very beginning of June. So if you have any advice for me, any places I need to go in New York or Brooklyn, anywhere you need me to live, I'm still searching for an apartment, let me know ASAP on the living thing and feel free to send suggestions whenever you have time. I love you guys. I think you're amazing. No sponsor this week. We're just going to move right on into the episode. But if you want to support the show, this is a listener-supported show. You can always donate. It's really easy to do that. And, um, you know, the link to that is in the show notes, as well as the link to the Facebook group where we all talk about the show and our feelings and whatever you want to talk about. The link to that is there, too. Leaving a review on iTunes is really nice, and I'm really grateful. I read all of them, and I sit with them, and I smile about them, and I'm just really grateful for them. So leave a star or two or five and a review, and share this podcast with your friends. Blast it out of your speakers, in your car, or maybe on a bike, or in your headphones is cool, but just share it if if you liked it, because I really love this show, and I want to keep doing it, and I want to keep growing it, and... It's my favorite thing I've ever done in my life, to be honest with you. All right, I love you guys, and I'll tell you the emoji at the end of this episode. Bye. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. Me too. Yay. I love what you're doing, and I love your space so much. I, The name of this podcast in my, my blog, it used to be called The Wellness Wonderland, and then when my book came out last year, it was called Let It Out, and I just... My publisher wanted me to kind of put everything under that umbrella, so it's not called that anymore, but I still love the name Wellness Wonderland, and it seems to me like you've actually created a real-life version of a Wellness Wonderland in Brooklyn. It's really funny you said that. We've been calling ourselves the Love 
Vortex, The Love Shack, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> I Just love it. Anything conducive to going into some sort of expansive tunnel of community and self-exploration. Yes. Um, it's really bright and colorful, so it definitely does feel like a little fantasy island. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait to see it. I'm so excited, but... I guess the first thing that I've been liking starting with lately, because I want to hear all about the past and how Shakti Bar came to exist and your vision for the future of it, but lately I've really been liking starting in the present with my podcast. So with that, you know, what have you been learning today or been passionate about or been most curious about in the last day or week in the, in the present? So what is something that I'm curious about right now? Yeah, something you've been really passionate about or thinking about or learning about or curious about, whatever, however you want to take that. Yeah, sure. Um, so represented in our logo, which you can see is this amazing ombre, um, tells a tale of how can we as full-spectrum women you know, modern women with ancient roots, um, deep women with sometimes more shallow wants, um, you know, colorful women, women that maybe their socioeconomic background doesn't match their academic background. Just basically, people coming from a, a breadth of experience um, is what that color spectrum represents. And so one thing I've been extremely passionate about this week is trying to figure out how to create um, loving and healthy boundaries that support women in being their fully expressed selves and support even this brand where we literally say, come in and be completely weird and um, but also have organization and safety and calm and rest. And so the balance of the two um, has been a, a huge curiosity of me this week. Absolutely stemming from my own experience yeah. <laughs> with being this woman of, you know, sort of like a jack of all trades, um, but also wanting to honor my own sacred boundaries and support systems. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing all that. I think that's such a great message to hear for everybody, regardless of, of what they're doing. I think especially as women, boundaries is such a great conversation to mention. And that's why I love this question, because it allows us to kind of dive right in, skip the small talk and get right into the the present and kind of leap into the conversation. Yeah, Absolutely. So, like I said, when I was spending time with you on the internet before this podcast, I saw that you read that 44% of the yogis in New York made an annual income of over $75,000 or more. And from there, you realized that yoga is something that should be accessible to everyone, and especially those who stand to benefit from it most. And I just thought that was so beautiful in the way you articulated that. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on why making wellness and fitness accessible to a diverse group of people is so important to you and how you're doing that. I didn't really mean to stumble upon those statistics to 
know, um, and forgive my French, but how sort of fucked up and exclusive the wellness industry is. Um, but stumbling upon those statistics because I, I did find them, um, from a more renowned source. So if you picture, you know, a woman that's very passionate, um, talking a lot about something that she truly believes in, um, especially if it's a salient issue, but she doesn't have the numbers to back it up. I would, I would venture to say that most people wouldn't really believe her or wouldn't listen or would be put off. Um, unless, as I said, she had some street cred. <laughs> so I want to take a few steps back to mention how I knew that already before I saw those numbers, if that vibes with you. Yeah, of course, please. Take it any direction you want. Word. Okay, so for example, um, related more specifically to the health industry, um, I've had a lot of injuries. I've had a dislocated shoulder. I've had wrist surgery. I've had a minor surgery on my cervix. I've had broken bones. I've had just like the gamut. And I also struggled with um, eating disorders and exercise addiction. And what I noticed was when I didn't have a full-time corporate job, um, obviously, as you know, in, uh, in our country today, it's more difficult to get access to health care. So I had to work exceedingly hard to get a lot of those bills covered. And fortunately, there is a public hospital in New York um, called Bellevue where I could use my income to determine the price of my bills. But even standing in that line, there were so many other women around me, much of them didn't speak English, that didn't even know that that um, scale, scale price, scaled pricing, excuse me, was even possible because they didn't even understand what the pamphlets were saying or, or what the accountants or what the directors were saying. So it wasn't only hard for me, and not only did I have to sort of deep dive into hospital literature to get my bills covered for my own health, but people who come from different backgrounds in terms of their language and culture were having an even harder time. And I remember really feeling the weight of my privilege, even as somebody that wasn't even middle class, um, just feeling that and just wondering, like, how the hell is everybody else surviving if it even took me this much just to get a few bills covered for some injuries that no one could have ever predicted? So that is from, like, the really intense, um, you know, healthcare level. But I also yeah. felt it in pretty much every studio I ever went to, um, on some level, um, save So for example, even some of my favorites in our area, in, in Brooklyn, uh, love them, but not exactly understanding why they need to cost like $37 for a class. Um, because that certainly ruled me and my friends out. So noticing how even the most well-intentioned places um, had these prices that presented a sort of irony, and I feel really started taking away from the very traditional and sacred roots of yoga that are tied to service 
and tied to sharing meals and, and not tied to money at all. Um, so that was a, a second area that I started to feel these statistics in real life. Um, and I also had a few encounters on a business level. Um, there's a bar studio in Soho where I desperately wanted to be a front desk you know, intern years back. I really wanted to learn how, how everything worked. I wanted to be trained in the um, literature of the body. I wanted all of that. And I'm, I kid you not, the owner sat me down in the back and said to me, we just don't want you here. And I knew why, you know, tying back to what we spoke of with oh the local, passionate woman, et cetera. I knew it was because I'm a lot, but what I've learned since is being a lot does not mean anything bad. In fact, in a world where systemically for women, especially, and especially for uh, marginalized women, we've been told that we're not enough, I would much rather be a lot. So, oh, you know, yes, preach. Girl. <laughs> so years later, um, stemming from a few of these experiences, again, just to recap, you know, having to really chase after my own health care when I wasn't in a socioeconomically, a socioeconomic, um, you know, position of being abundant. Um, also, just noticing the discord, even within the studios that I know have a good heart. And that discord I mentioned could be the price. It could also be a lot of the really scary stories that we've heard of emotional and sexual abuse in these houses that are supposed to be safe for people to access the deepest points of their spirit. So that irony put put me off. And then really just at a face value level, the branding and the language in, in um, different avenues for wellness, you know, someone telling me, oh, we just don't want you here, or me walking in and seeing a picture of a bunch of super skinny white women in black and white um, at a bar studio, and that's it, and looking around the room and noticing everyone's kind of wearing, like, tight back black pants, uh, which, by the way, my last day at that studio where I just realized that even giving them another dollar or even giving them another... Um, you know, releve of my time uh, would just be completely disparaging to my health. Uh, I went to the pink store on Broadway and bought a bunch of really flamboyant clothing that was like neon and half ripped. And I think I had a healing dislocated shoulder at the time. So I just sauntered in there wearing a bunch of like pretty much slutty clothing with like one functional arm and I just did class and that's it. And then I thought to myself, <laughs> I guess I'll have to make my own studio because I really want to do this type of stuff more often. Oh, I love that so much. So I know that was a, a lot again for the answer, but no, it was per the perfect that amount. was all happening. And even also I used to be a teacher um, in public schools and in charter schools. So even just knowing the lack of, more, um, excuse me, the lack of higher quality education um, in the school system and also translated into gyms and doctor's offices, actually bearing witness to 
so much important information either being diluted or making a huge profit um, also alerted me to the fact that if these places that we build, if these houses of community and health and wellness that we build are void of a more substantial conversation regarding wellness education, then again, like what are we doing? So all of that played a part into basically looking at that number 44% and going, oh yeah, you know, duh. But now, now I can finally talk about it in a way that I guess the majority uh, would understand or would start to realize is an actual issue and not just writing about it in articles, but actually doing something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that awareness piece is, is kind of the first step to this, which is why I'm so glad we're talking about it. But everything that you shared, I just connected to so much that, that feeling of being too much, you know, I, I love bar so much. And and I think is, is why I connected with you and your space and what you're doing one of the many reasons and I also I teach yoga and I love yoga as well but I felt not even just in studios just in other rooms and life that I was also too much and it's such a terrible feeling of being not enough and and too much and just all of that and I just want every woman listening and in the world to just feel okay with exactly the amount that they are you know Exactly. And the the crazy thing is, so we talk about this a lot with our our brand, which I want to give a little shout out to a friend of mine because formerly, and you could even just hear it in my voice, when I would say the word brand, I would do those, you know, quotes with my fingers as if I was too cool to call it a brand. But then this this woman, she taught us at Soho House um, Brand Human, and it actually showed me um, that scaling a brand that is about the people and is conscious, um, is a forefront that some people are starting to develop. And I was like, hell yeah, because our brand is all about meeting a person where they are, not where we want them to be, not more than they are and not less than they are and going from there. And so when you look at the spectrum of the logo, it's suggesting exactly what you're saying that on some days we're going to feel on one, you know, end of the gamut and on another day we're going to feel somewhere else. And that's absolutely fine. If you have a team of professionals that is savvy in holding space for people um, having full ranges of experience coming from every single religious, socioeconomic, cultural emotional, um, you know, and fitness, uh, background, then you've got something because and this, these are not my words. Um, but this phrase philanthropic colonialism is when you go into a situation, putting your definition of good onto another people's. And if your definition of good is not what they know is good for them, then it's oppressive. And even with the best part, you're actually colonizing them. So what you just said right there is encapsulated in a lot of what we talk about as our brand. It's also a reason, sidebar, why our brand um, initially was a tougher sell because we're saying to women, 
Um, and to the men that come too, so who are you today? Okay, that's our brand. Are you upset? Great, we're gonna play music that brings that out even more. Are you excited? Amazing, we're going to celebrate you. So when people come into a Shockey bar, they're very well aware that they cannot just jump on uh, a bike or jump into uh, on a reformer and tune out and essentially be saved by uh, you know very very well thought out and probably investor sponsored branding <laughs> that allows them to basically say whatever the brand represents in the space that I'm going to work out is me in this moment and that's all I have to worry about. Shakti Bar is the complete opposite. We're like, no, 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 whoever you are is our brand. So unless you really want to go there, then you're probably not going to have a good time here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that so much. I, I think it's – I've had so many experiences of walking into a studio and not feeling – welcome and not even by you know something that someone said to me and a lot of it I'm sure is is in my own head but it's you know I'm not feeling thin enough or pretty enough or like I have the right clothes or just yeah not feeling welcome and even though I haven't even been to your studio yet I feel welcome and I feel like no matter where I am that day I'll be met with you know acceptance and I think that's of somewhere that you know for me, I'm someone who works from home and bar and having a place where I go to every day for movement is important. Yes, for movement, but also for that community aspect and just knowing that I'm going to be somewhere that often, you want that feeling of acceptance and like safety in those environments. And it's just beautiful that that's so important to you. Yeah, safety is key. If somebody can't feel safe, then they're not going to be in their fullest expression. Yeah. And, you know, without too much of a heavy reference to the political times, we need everybody, but, you know, right now I think we're talking about women a little bit. We need individuals to imagine a world that is light years beyond the glass ceiling. And if somebody doesn't even feel safe to show up as their fullest highest self with you know a, a hurt arm but they got but they had a doctor's note saying it was completely fine that they would come to class or showing up in neon clothes or showing up uh, they have their period or, or showing up um one day not being able to afford class but knowing that when they come here it's a sliding price if they need it if they don't have those things in place to support their variability then they're never even going to know. You know, there's those, I don't know the word for it, those quadrants, you know what you know, you know you know what you don't know, you don't know what you don't know, and you know what you don't know, whatever. <laughs> it's like there's, an, there's a huge percentage of our brain that's not even accessed. And, you know, in, in yogic philosophy, I guess I would say, a lot of that is just fear and ego. And if you don't feel safe, you're going to be afraid, and you're not going to be in an environment of love. And you're certainly not going to be able to make any sort of changes where women need, absolutely need to be in their full ecstasy, um, personally and as a sisterhood. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And just, 
am fist pumping over here at everything that you're saying. I want to get back to your story a little bit. So you are a yoga teacher and I want to, you mentioned the benefits of yoga and, and kind of bringing them to everyone, but how did you discover yoga and what benefits has it had in your life? How did I come upon yoga? Well, honestly, my co-founder, Shawnee, was the one that introduced me to yoga. Um, I took yoga with her for the first time in Union Square years ago. Um, and I came to it with, I would say, a little uh, sampler of reasons. Um, one, exercise addiction and an eating disorder. So I really needed to find a form of exercise that wasn't about abusing myself. Um, I also had some um, trauma to work through from my childhood. And I noticed that the faster I went through life, the less I was actually tuning into what those feelings were and the less I was giving myself time to heal from them. Those two issues essentially brought me into a yoga room where I, I really felt like I was getting just as much of a work in as I was getting a work out. Mm. Serendipitously enough, as I mentioned, Shawnee took me to that class. So she was already a certified yoga teacher. Um, and soon after that, I just got certified at Three Sisters Yoga in Midtown. And um, I basically did yoga personal training, stuff like that on the side because I was still a full-time um, lit teacher for many years. And I also um, founded a nonprofit for young girls where I then mixed uh, my degree in educational psychology with my love of yoga. Um, and that program is Yo Girls program, which stands for the Yoga and Mindful Literacy Initiative for Girls. Um, and so that's where I was coming at yoga in the beginning. It was coming from a sports background and then really going deep into my own healing. And then I used it as a platform to have larger conversations about what I wanted to do next. Yeah, cool. I wanted to ask you about Yo Girls, your nonprofit that you mentioned, um, which I think is for at-risk New York city school girls. Could you tell us a little bit more about that work and where it is today? Yes. Um, so Yo Girls was founded years ago. Um, it's a nonprofit and essentially it offers an hour of a Harvard research literacy program to young girls from ages seven through 12. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> seven through 12th grade. Um, and those girls are considered for um, admittance into the program based on whether they're receiving free or reduced lunch, based on whether or not their reading scores in school um, are not strong, and also based on whether or not they're experiencing some form of anxiety in their own lives. And so under those three categories, um, we invite cohorts of these girls to experience the program. Largely, our 7th through 11th graders um, take the program in school, and we have interns from NYU that expertly lead um, those cohorts. And then the 12th graders actually come to Shakti Bar. 
Um, and they used to come to different yoga studios throughout the city and actually all over the world, but we decided we needed a home base, uh, kind of tying back into that idea of how do you have boundaries even in a creative sphere. And so now that Shakti Bar is here, now they have a house. Well, that's amazing. So I love everything about that. It's so great that that exists. So going back to your story a bit and how you discovered yoga, then from there, how did you and your co-founder meet? Have you guys been friends for a long time? Yes. Yes, we have. We have been friends for a while. Um, a girl, Nadia, who I went to elementary school with and also high school with, went to college with Shawnee. So one of the things I love so much about Shawnee is there was this moment where um, I'm very good at coming up with different uh, hypothetical reasons as to why certain things in life happen, like just basically being very compassionate. Um, but I think it also comes out of I didn't have the strongest relationship with my dad when I was really young. And so as a child, when you aren't getting along with a parent or they're not around as much as a, maybe a nuclear family, you start to become very creative, <laughs> um, asking yourself why they're not there. And then, and I just, like, being sort of the colorful soul that I am, I mean, I could come up with a million different reasons. And that translated into my adult life where, you know, if I had, like, a breakup or I, I got, you know, fired, like, whatever, I would just, oh, it must be because, you know, da-da-da neuroscience and yada-yada the moon cycles and blah, blah, <laughs> like, I could just go on forever, which... I like because I don't think that everyone goes that deep and so I do like having that um, intellectualized side of my life and I feel excited by exercising my brain like that but I also recognize that it can spiral and I can spend a lot of time trying to think about why things happen instead of moving forward from them. And Shawnee was like the first person, and mind you, this is like maybe when I was in my 20s. One day, I was just going on about some guy, and, and I was like, hey, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? And she was like, honestly, Corey, which is what my childhood friends call me, she's like, I'm not even going to answer you because I, I actually understand what's going on here, and it could be a million different answers, but the point is, that person wasn't right for you and it doesn't matter. You know, you've been loving, you've been kind, you did nothing wrong, you can learn from your from your experience and that's it. Like I'm not entertaining your bullshit any longer. And I think as a woman, like a young woman and then now as a business leader, um, again, using that word, a colorful soul, a lot of people don't think that they can approach me with advice. They, they think I'm a lot, like I said, like I'm intense or, I know a lot, or there's some sort of like, like it's a mixture of like reverence, fear, and then maybe just being annoyed with me, where they don't, like they don't want to go there, and Shawnee just like looked at me and just called me out of my bullshit, and I was like, oh my god, I've been waiting for somebody to see through all of this and to um, challenge me in a healthy way in some of those things that, uh, you know, we don't often talk about on our day-to-day -day basis and the, like, that's when I knew that she was like a real friend and somebody who was going to be so much more because mm -hmm. she, really, she really went there. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great story. So 
Where did you guys grow up? Did you grow up in New York or did you live there later? Uh, Shawnee grew up in Long Island. And I was born in Maine and raised in Boston for a good amount of time. And then I went to undergrad in Connecticut, which, no offense, Connecticut, but I'm good. I've got my fill. <laughs> um, and then I traveled everywhere. I went to Spain, Australia, Malaysia, Budapest, Italy, blah, 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 blah. And New York, ultimately, after graduate school, was the only place where I felt every country had a little stake in and where I felt like every aspect of my personality was held. And so I'm here now. <laughs> I love that. I think it's really beautiful, and I want to talk more about New York in a minute, but I want to stay on this thread of how Shakti Bar came to be. So I want to know, you know, when did the two of you then decide to start this business? But I guess before that, let's go back. You were doing yoga, and your partner introduced you to yoga, but when did you discover bar and when did you know that that was something that you wanted to continue to be part of your life and incorporate into the studio? Um, I liked feeling like a dancer when I never really was. I was always a little more awkward. Um, I liked that I was getting results for the body type that at that time was my ideal. I feel like there's no shame as long as you're going about it in a healthy way um, in, you know, getting what you want and going after it. And I felt like I tried everything. Um, and I believe, you know, speaking strictly from an anatomical perspective, I believe the reason that it was able to give me results that I wasn't getting anywhere else is because it's isometric in, in nature. Um, so I wasn't doing a lot of like heavy pumping anymore. And, um, if you can imagine for a moment, a woman that su suffers from exercise addiction, that's working out all the time. Um, there's sort of a general like swollenness, um, and, and constant injury that goes along with working out like that. And so I, I think it slowed me down. Um, it was better for my joints. It worked my muscular structure in a different way. And so a lot of things were happening at once. Um, some of them very simple and some of them a bit more complex. But I can say assuredly that no other workout had me um, looking the way that it had me looking, which is when I started to realize um, at the same time that it didn't have me feeling the way I wanted to feel. It kind of felt like, I felt like I looked really hot but had no soul. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, well, I want to just kind of pick up on some of the things you were talking about because I totally relate so much because I was really underweight, healing from an eating disorder and teaching yoga and doing a ton of yoga. And then later, as I was healing, found bar, and it was a really great way, like you said, to focus on movement that wasn't super intense and you know I didn't like dread doing you know I I actually enjoyed it I enjoyed the the um feeling of it and it was 
it mentally I was able to like be okay with my body changing because I it made me feel strong, which I so relate to. But you mentioned isometric movements, and I do bar every single day, and I hear them say that, but I don't actually know what that means. Could you explain that? Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> I mentioned before, especially when I was talking about the ways I used to work out. Um, I mentioned like a heavy pump is kind of what I what I used. Um, and the, the word for that, you know, it's a concentric or eccentric contraction, um, or it's also called dynamic or isotonic. And as far as I've read, I definitely don't want to claim to be a research, um, excuse me, an expert in it, but um, there are a few effects of this. Like one is just the way that the muscle uh, forms. So there's this general misconception, especially in the female world, that you know, if you lift heavy, you're going to get big. And that's not really true unless you're eating a huge uh, calorie surplus um, or if you have a lot of excess body fat over your muscles. Then, of course, as you start to build a little muscle, um, it might look big, hence the misconception. Um, but what I did find that, that wasn't explained in that is um, – a lot of that type of pumping motion, like a full squat, um, also has some bearance on your the chemicals in your body, like the release of testosterone. Um, and so if you're really going for a look and a feel that's more subtle, I guess you could say, like strong and subtle, then those types of movements, um, they definitely are effective, but perhaps more effective to that end would be the isometric movement. So isometric being um, basically it's more stagnant. Um, you're not doing, there's not like a huge change in length of the muscle. So if you picture a bicep curl at, you know, Gold's Gym, <laughs> you might picture yourself going all the way up and all the way down, all the way up, exhaling at the top, all the way down, you know, inhaling. And that's that big pump. But in bar class, you might hold your arms nearly straight out with a slight angle at the elbow, going back to the definition, as you can imagine in this position. I'm even looking at my own bicep right now. I'm not changing the length of my muscle in this isometric move. I'm simply holding my arm at a safe and premeditated angle so that it's working isometrically. And that's why from that angle, all that's necessary are a few sharp and mindful pulses. Thank you for explaining that. So, okay, so you discover bar while you're living in New York City and you, you know, like the the physical benefits of it. And then, you know, how from there do you decide that you want to incorporate it into your life more and, you know, how, take us into that conversation of, you know, how the idea for Shakti Bar came to be and how you and your partner decided to make it happen. Sure. So initially I thought it up, um, well, actually it's so interesting because it stemmed from yoga girls. It stemmed from wanting to build a room for wellness education um, just for young girls initially and then realizing that I could not fund those girls unless that room was making some sort of money and knowing those girls um, 
have yoga as a huge component to their program. Uh, a friend of mine, Gabby, she said, well, why don't you just build a yoga studio? Because then you can have the yoga right there on site. And at other times of the day when people come through the studio taking classes, they'll pay for those classes. And then you can have that other room for the yoga girls and, you know, that money can trickle in to fund that program. And they're doing the yoga anyway, so they need a studio, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, great, it's like a sandwich, perfect sandwich. Um, so I already had that idea. And congruently, I started thinking about everything we've already discussed, the exclusivity of wellness. And also, I feel um, in particular to the bar industry, as I mentioned um, earlier about like how why I loved bar, but then why I thought there it could be more. I, I sort of made the joke. I felt like I had a really tight ass, but I had no soul. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought to myself, well, what if also the types of classes that we taught made money? So we like we know they're going to make money. It's not like we're not trying to be abundant business women long term, but we also can be more socially responsible, and we can also be more spiritually responsible. And as I'm also a student of uh, Kundalini Yoga, I realized that a lot of the pulsing um, and breath work in Kundalini reminded me of how the chakra system is working during these bar classes, but nobody talks about it. Yes, how- I, I love Kundalini. I've always thought that of bar too. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, honestly, I, I, I forget what I used to call it. I mean, you know, there's pure bar and extend bar and bar meth and all that stuff. So I knew it had to be like something bar so that I could sort of like roll with the, with the big guns <laughs> and uh, Shakti being, you know, the goddess of empowerment and divine creative feminine energy. I honestly don't remember where that name came to me, but I just knew they had to go together because that's what we're doing here. It's this hybrid experience. So now I had my solution as far as to what was going to make money, but also in a mindful way, so that it could fund Yo Girls on site. Um, and then, you know, just to finish that off, I just realized really early on that Yo Girls, as I mentioned, seventh through twelfth graders, aren't the only ones that need access to wellness education. We just had a event last night for eating disorders where we learned about the neuroscience of either starving or stuffing yourself. We had a sex workshop. We had, as I mentioned, a class for women from a homeless shelter. So I just realized really early on that the whole concept of Yo Girls, um, uh, it deserved to be extended to women of women and men of all ages at that point. So it, it became more of like a sexy YMCA over time. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wow. It, the more I hear about it, the more I'm just like, was this place meant for just me? Like it just checks all of my boxes in this beautiful way. It, and I haven't even been yet. It's so cool. <laughs> I see you as like, thank you. First of all, I'm like overwhelmed with thanks. And I, I see you as, um, you know, Shawnee and I, which to answer the other part of your question, you know, she, she's an expert in nutrition and Ayurveda. She has her business degree it only made sense that she would be my left brain and I her right. I don't remember exactly the point at which it became so formal, but I know it's been an amazing journey um, with our different belief systems and different backgrounds to find a middle ground. 
And I love the fact that the authenticity of our mission to have women from you know varied places come together for a positive reason, um, I love that we are that. So even at its uh, primary roots, um, the two women that own the place are upholding what they're preaching. And so as we look to scale, we look for that. We look for women that get it. We look for women that are willing to work together. We look for women that bring strengths where the other would have a weakness. And we've been very careful about asking for an investments or investors because we never want to lose the sacredness of that truth and the sacredness of that unity um, that we have between each other. Um, I want to kind of pick up on one thing that you were talking about here, which you already kind of mentioned this, but it's so much more than just bar and great avocado toast and lattes. There's body image workshops and Reiki and, like you said, Ayurvedic nutrition and and sensuality coaching. And this is just what I got from your website. And um, all of those things are are so important to me and something that, you know, since in like the first half of my 20s up till now, I've really had to teach myself and, and learn the importance of. So I'm assuming that these things are important to you as well. Can you talk about why, you know, how you kind of discovered some of those services and, and why they're important. I guess you kind of already mentioned why they're important to have in your space, but how they're important to have in your space. I believe education to be, honestly, at this point, a privilege. Not everybody has access to it. And even when we do have access to it, the world of education has become absolutely a business. Um, I used to do educational Uh, sorry, ed tech, educational technology. And with that, there's a lot of manipulation and there's a lot of variance from what used to be such a powerful and sweet and kind profession to be a teacher. I mean, my God, what a beautiful thing. And so... I notice a lot, especially when I used to work in gyms when I was younger, that people will come in and they'll pay tons of money for a personal trainer that will give them the same exact template that they gave somebody else. That's completely doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. We have different body types, different goals, different allergies, um, you know, different levels of energy, like everything that you could factor into possibly making a, a fitness plan for an individual um, was anything but differentiated and all for the sake of making money and mostly because as I mentioned in the beginning of this answer these people weren't educated but, but that's it like I don't even think it took me that long I was just like oh like that's messed up no nope. um, so I started teaching you know private practice on my own so I could have more autonomy um, but that's huge There's no point, no point in consuming anything, any food, uh, working out in any certain way, giving your time, energy, or money to anything that you're not informed about. If you don't even know the level of ownership that you can have over your own health, because people in expert positions of providing that education to you are screwing you, 
or actually physically string you in some of the stories, the crazy stories we've read about the fitness industry, then everybody's just a bunch of, like, everyone's being lied to. It's just, I don't know. I, I do, not that I've never told a lie in my life, but, but really, for those people that know me, I'm a little care bear. I care about everything. I'm actually incredibly naive, and I'm continuously boggled when I see stuff like that. I just go, like, really? Wait, really? That's really, oh, my God. And I noticed that. I'm the same way. Yeah, like every day, every day, with everything. Like it, it just never fails. I, I finally got my wallet stolen for the first time, and I'm still like, oh, wow, like really? That really happened? Yes, it really happened. Um, you know, I'm always so earnest. People like think I'm messing with them or like they think I'm being sarcastic, and I'm just earnest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I just feel like if we did not have other – services and by that I mean wellness education on site then we would be liars huge amount of integrity that goes into this business wow yeah that's amazing so another thing that I think we connect on and I know I really strongly believe that female community is so important to health and wellness of women and and just in general for people and it sounds like you've really created that in your life. Is Shakti Bar a part of that? What do you feel about community and, and having a strong community of women? Oh my God. Well, this is actually something that I haven't even fully grasped because I'm still very much experiencing it. So forgive me if my enlightenment on the topic arrives at a later date. But as so far as I can surmise, um, first off, being a sort of creative child, but also dealing with different, um, different, you know, like I, I, I guess I mentioned I had like an eating disorder, da, 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 da. Um, I basically realized that I'm, I'm actually way more introverted than I come off as and way more like a huge loner like I'm not my spirit animal is not a wolf I would say it's a wild filly but it's like a wild filly mixed with a wolf because I'm totally fine being on my own yeah but are you an only child no I'm not I'm just like I think I'm just like extra weird so like I felt like no one could relate to that I don't know well I completely relate to (laughs) what you're saying because everyone always assumes I'm an extrovert but I'm an ENFP. I don't know if you, like, know the Myers-Briggs. What? That might be me, too. Yeah. Well, it's it's basically you're an introvert-extrovert if you're an ENFP, so you're, like, right on the cusp, so you you need equal amounts of alone time to recharge as much as, like, being around people time, so it's, like, an even balance. No, I love this, and I love to, you know, from everything that I've looked up about you, um, you... What I one of the things I love about you is that you seem to have created a language about really important topics and really interesting and fun topics that is also well received. Um, I don't necessarily want to refine the way I present myself it, to this, in the sense of like losing um, the energy or intention behind things that I say, but I have realized that it's important to also be thoughtful in the way that things come out. 
And um, I like that you're doing both. Like you're talking to so many people about these amazing things and really going deep and whatever, but you've created such an amazing community and following because because of how you present that information. Oh, thank um, you. That's so sweet. No, it's just true. Um, <laughs> here's that. And then, um, so yeah, being kind of a loner, you know, I was like the girl in high school that was teased because I didn't have one group. I was like an athlete, but I was a singer. I lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is a really rich town, but I had a single mom that pretty much you know, worked, well, she worked one job, so I don't want to be all dramatic, but she worked 12 jobs, but <laughs> she worked a lot and probably just barely made the rent. Um, so I was teased, and I always felt like a lot of my, I've always felt like girls were just mean. I remember this one girl, a, a best friend of mine in high school, calling me one day because she had a boyfriend. She's like, I can't be friends with you anymore. I said, wait, what? She literally, my best friend, like, lacrosse team, blah, blah, like the whole thing. And I was like, why? She's like, I don't have time for you and my boyfriend. Oh, my God. She's like, I don't have time for you. I remember another girl who said to me one time, I don't remember what it was about, but I remember her looking at me in the face and going, I wouldn't even waste my breath on you. What? And instead of, instead of having that reaction, I spent much of my high school career just wondering why <laughs> like why and feeling sad so I did a lot of stuff on myself so um in a positive way I've become fiercely independent but in a negative way when I need help I would never ask for it so now that we have this community you know I'm I consciously and and constantly try to ask for help try to show more of myself yeah. Um, and so now I've literally, I made, I make a joke. I'm like, well, I guess we made, I guess we made it for high school because now we've literally created this posse of women that people want to be a part of this because those women are so real, not because they have a great bot or because we've gotten all this press, like none of that matters. It's because they're so real and even further than that, they're real, but they're also kind like, none of us have ever had a fight, not because we don't have real things that we talk about, but because in the instant that they happen, we'll sit down with love and be like, yo, like, why are you acting like a bitch? Let's talk about it. Cool, all right, yay. Oh, want to hug it out? Awesome. That's mm -hmm. over. Next. Let's, like, sage each other, meditate, cry. <laughs> it's just it's just amazing. And so I definitely feel like I'm sort of made up for that. Um, and then also just the power of community, man. I mean so many different women that take our classes and so many different women that teach here have their own initiatives. This one young girl from NYU, Katie, she's one of our best teachers and she just launched an Indiegogo for Fit For All, which is where she is going to have these women who, that's the teacher that was just teaching the homeless woman, she's going to have women come here and take free attractive art classes every week. And she just did her own Indiegogo and we're helping her out and like what teacher, I mean, honestly, like, I, I challenge the bar teachers of the world, call me, <laughs> and tell me all the amazing things that, not that they're not working on, but that their own bar studio, their own yoga studio is also actually helping them with. Want to teach at another bar studio, too? Please do. There's no, like, non-compete here. Um, the only thing that we want to do is help people um, 
reach their fullest potential in the time frame that makes sense to their soul. And she's a perfect, Katie's a perfect example of how community makes that possible. Like I don't have time to create that whole program and she didn't have a platform with, with which to do it. So boom, you put the two together and anything is possible. Oh, that's so lovely to empower people in that way and everything you're doing. And, and you're right. I think people are attracted to authenticity and when people are genuine and real and that just shines through through your message and, and everything that, that you've created. So before I ask you the questions that I ask everyone, I just want to know, you know, how do you feel about the success of Shakti Bar right now and, you know, the like you mentioned, all of the amazing press that it's gotten and the, the reach that it's getting. <laughs> um, so speechless. Um, it also reminds me of my, I don't mean this in like my power, like I'm the best. I mean like my power, like my soul's power. For example, nine months ago, so three months before Shakti Bar opened, I quit all my jobs. I like kind of finalized the business plan, da 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 da. And then two months into that three month thing, um, Shawnee and I raised the money. And then one month into that three month stint, we built the place and then we opened. That's it. I remember seeing this place on Grand Street from these brokers that we're just really shifty. We did not get a good feeling from them. And somebody else wanted to rent it. And I was at this little like Japanese snack bar <laughs> looking out the window. No, no, somebody with a lot of money is going to get it. And I suck and I'm poor. Like, you know, just having all of that, that bullying conversation. And then some voice, and obviously, like I said, it's like your soul's power just said like current, like, who do you think you are? Turn that around right now. It's not about money. Like, how do you think that most of the people that ever became successful became successful because they failed a million times? I mean, I know that sounds cliche, but I decided that feeling um, economically disadvantaged was not going to hold me back. I went home that night. I made the Indiegogo video, which I've now somehow deleted because I'm super OCD and like delete things all the time that I feel like I don't need. And then Shawnee is the one who's like, uh, dude, we need that. <laughs> so the Indiegogo video is gone, but if you look on the page, it was a wild success. Uh, I made a video on iMovie. I put it out and like, freaking, I don't know, like 17 days later, we had 20 something thousand dollars and that's it. That's it. So when people walk in here, I'm like, okay, great. Yes, you're going to have the best bar class ever. But by the way, you're also walking into the physical manifestation of what you are capable of doing if you can reflect on your current efforts and reflect on the, the, the possibility of your future from the voice of your inner goddess, from the voice of your soul's power, from the voice of that full knowing and confidence and humility that it takes um, to get from no Shakti bar to potentially hundreds of them. Just so inspiring to hear that. I think it will be for everyone listening too. Right. I can't wait to hear what they say. Like I, I can't wait for questions. Like, you know, at some point if anybody emails us questions. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely at the end, like make sure everyone knows where they can tweet at us and find us and, and we can do hopefully a follow up 
in person. But I want to ask you the questions that I that I ask everyone before we get to the quick fire questions. So one thing we talk about a lot on this podcast is body image, and we've already discussed it a little bit here. But because it's been my biggest struggle over the years and something that, you know, you mentioned you personally struggled with as well, where are you with that now? And one question in particular I like to ask is, you know, what advice do you have for women on, on what I call a bad body image day? You know, when you're having a bad body image moment where, you know, you feel fine in the morning, but a weird look in a mirror at noon and you're like taken out. You know, what do you do to kind of bring yourself back and kind of where are you with all of that now? What you do to empower a less than optimal body image day is you get completely naked because on the other side of your fear is love and anxiety is just excitement with fear. So if you can actually go beyond the anxiety and look at what you're avoiding, which is the nature of anxiety, right? Ambiguity, avoidance, unsureness, blah, blah, blah. Just get completely naked look at yourself, put your, put your hand on your own arm, your own tummy, whatever, eat breakfast in the nude. Then you've completely removed all question marks that stand between how you think you feel about your body and how, how you think it should be and how it really is and how you really do feel. And that's it. So pretty much it's just like, you know, looking the horse in the mouth do exactly the thing that you're the most afraid of. You know, there's different rituals you can do. You can give yourself self a massage with sesame oil. You can take a bath. You can self-pleasure. You can look at yourself in the mirror with affirmations. You can paint on yourself, blah, 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 blah. Like there's so many, go swimming. (laughs) So many things you can do while naked. Um, But I definitely think you have to, in those moments, remove the rug from your own feet. And I can think of no, like, more, you know, analogous to jumping into a freezing cold lake of reality than just stripping. (laughs) Yeah. Another question that I always love to ask people is about journaling. So my book that came out last year was about journaling. And for me, writing is a way for me to figure out what I'm thinking. I don't know what I'm thinking without writing and it really helped me to get to know myself better so is journaling or writing something that you've ever done or a practice in your life yes absolutely um I first of all am so in a good way envious of you because I'm trying to write a book right now and I just like I don't know if I started it at the wrong time because I built this place not sure but it has a component of journaling. Um, oh, that's amazing. I can't wait yeah. to hear all about it. No, I'm stoked. Um, it's called Binge Free Beauty. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it, it takes you through different narratives from my, like, sort of, I would say, like, darkly hilarious moments with food. Um, and it takes you through them, and then after each little short story, you then uh, answer some questions about my experience and then you journal about how your experience is relevant and the whole concept oh my gosh that's amazing that is so good I feel the whole concept is like no not everybody will have relationships as their um sort of biggest trigger for body image issues but throughout the course of this sort of journaling journey 
they will figure out what their what their ship is, and it could be something else, but they'll figure it out. And then there's um, there's different more psychologically sound activities to do um, at the end where you can actually name your own triggers and become familiar with them. And then there's like a 30 day challenge that kind of breaks down all the things that when we heal from body image issues, we're often told to not talk about anymore, like calories. And I try to give a little bit of information again, like not a complete expert, but from what I've learned um, on how to incorporate wellness education into your, into your healing experience without obsessing about it and also without relying on it and becoming, um, and just like overdoing it. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see, but I'm, (laughs) I'm proud of you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, I can't wait for that to be in the world. And if I can help you all with, you know, anything with that, I can't wait to talk to you about that as well too. So that's great that that journaling is, is a part of your life as well. Well, I guess now I want to just ask you the quick fire questions. So there's a lot of them, but maybe just say kind of like the first thing that comes to your mind or the first couple of things. Cool? Yeah, sure. Cool. All right. So what are your morning routines? Maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning and how those things affect how the rest of your day goes. Cool. The first thing I do is I drink a big glass of water. And that's because I'm becoming more familiar with what it actually means to feel hungry or full because for so long I didn't know. And water seems to be that perfect combination of a really helpful cleansing start to the day, also um, assessing your your level of needs with food. And it's also just a moment to tap in because you have to drink the whole thing and it's usually two glasses. So that's the first thing I do when I wake up. I love that. I do that as well. I call it like giving your inside a bath. <laughs> oh, I love that. I just call it chugging water and I hate water. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I feel the same way. <laughs> Maybe I should change it. Any other morning routines that you want to mention? The next few things? Yeah. Um, the next thing I do is I work out. I tried to meditate because I wanted to be like a little angel and, you know, meditate in the morning. But exercise is so... Um, medicinal for me that I I actually meditate later so the next thing I do is I work out I just go right into it whatever it is I'll get there or I'll run there or I'll do it in my own room it doesn't matter the next thing I do is I work out there's often music and I just do that next Um, the other thing I do after that once I've like showered and I'm sort of eating my breakfast is I journal briefly about my fantasy life so <laughs> let's say that I'm like taking a flight that day. Um, yay for the actual flight that I'm taking. But currently I'm really interested in um, in like maybe manifesting a partner. And so I'll journal, you know, I'm on this flight to this country with this person and this is what it feels like and looks like and tastes like and this is how my, my body is responding to it. And I'll get extremely detailed um, you know, not always in a sexual way. So I, I didn't mean that connotation with the word fantasy, but I'll just get completely detailed about like my epic life. And, um, I just wanted to say on the flip side at night, right before I go to bed, I do another one about gratitude for the life I already have. Mm. Because I felt like if you did one or the other, you were like missing out on some sort of genius. 
Yeah. Wow. I love those journaling exercises and they sound so fun and just delightful. Yes. It's so fun. It really is. And if anybody read them, I would just probably be really embarrassed because they're really <laughs> intricate. I'll be like the cinnamon colored chair. Oh. Blah, blah. It's crazy. I love it. Well, you kind of, um, already guessed the next question, but in the evening, what are the last three things you do before bed and, and how do you relax at the end of the day? I wish I had a better answer for this question because honestly, my nights have been more like I teach really late and then I eat something really sad and then I go right to bed. But today I realized that that was happening and that I had, I should, uh, I deserve joy on both ends of my day, um, as is everybody. So I decided um, to really set aside some time for dinner, a walk, and some possible family and book time. So I just became an aunt. Um, Congrats. Yeah. Oh my God, oh my God. Like how, how do parents even leave the couch? Because once you have a baby on your lap, you just become one with like every soft surface everywhere. And oh my God, I, I'm in love with him. I, I hope I can teach him to be the little warrior that he is. And so, you know, anytime I can just jaunt over to their apartment in Brooklyn um, at night, for some family time, I think is such a blessing. It's such a blessing to have the soul family of Shakti and then to have, you know, my, my, my blood family just down the road. Oh, I love that. That's lovely. Thank What's you. your favorite fruit and favorite vegetable? Uh, <laughs> damn. Um, any fruit that tastes good in a pie would be my favorite fruit. Nice. Um, Highlight being blueberry, raspberry, like a berry, a berry situation. And favorite vegetable, I mean, broccoli's pretty amazing, but, but artichokes are fun too. Yeah. So definitely the green hearty family I'm going for. Nice. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Stuffed cabbage at the local Polish restaurant where not all hope is lost on traditional family foods. Love it. So you have a cafe in your space, Shakti Bar. What's your favorite thing on the menu there? Oh, my God. Jeez. Um, uh, well, I love our lattes because they're inspired by Ayurveda, and so especially with me needing, I think, an extra dose of balance throughout my day, if I can add turmeric to my latte, yay. Um, or lavender, even better. Um, substantial food-wise, I would definitely re-mention our avocado toasts. They're very grounding and... It's like my uh, favorite food. Yeah, it's, even from like a macronutrient perspective, they're, they're pretty, pretty well balanced in that regard. Yeah. Love it. Other than Shakti Bar, what's your favorite place to eat in New York City? Damn, girl. I... I, I really don't have an answer for that right now, honestly. That's okay. Because You'll think of it. We're going to be friends for life. You'll tell me later. It's great. Hey, like, when you move here, I'll take you to all of yes. them. And like, maybe you'll be able to help me. Perfect. Okay, perfect. We'll do a multiple choice. I cannot wait. I'm going to need all the help I can get. Multiple choice. Um, speaking of New York, what is your, you know, the most challenging part of living in that city and the greatest part of living in the city? 
the greatest part is that you can be anything and do anything at any time with no judgment. And the hardest part is that because everyone is being everything and doing everything at any time, um, it's really hard to actually connect with people. Mm. And yeah, so it's like one of so that conundrum of like a lot of things happening, but no one thing happening well. Yeah. And you can feel lonely. So yay for Shakti because <laughs> no more. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, you know, that makes a lot of sense. What advice do you have for, you know, moving to New York or cultivating a community once you're in a big, huge place like that? Easily, I would say to develop a strong inner practice first because you're going to need it. Yeah, that makes sense. When you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed, what are some practical self-care tools that you turn to? I go for a walk. Um, I just go for a walk. I think that nature and sunshine or rain, really just any of the elements um, can really teach us a lot in in their natural formations. So even if I'm walking in a central park and I look more closely at a flower and I notice the sacred geometry um, of that, that plant, it reminds me that everything is aligned and that I'm perfectly where I need to be. Something that, you know, I have felt lately that I've been asking all of my guests about is, you know, I do lots of different things, so it's easy to feel like a master of none. So how do you handle feeling focused and, you know, bringing something as big as Shakti Bar into the world? You know, what are some ways, some productivity tips or ways that you, you know, focus yourself? Oh, I love that because I'm actually working on that right now. Um, I definitely believe in making a, a schedule of accountability, um, especially because as like an independent, you know, an entrepreneur, um, there's a lot of hours that you basically get to decide what they do. Um, so some systems I've created for that are, one, looking at our own numbers and success, like when do we have the most traction? When do I need to be here? Who's coming? What what areas of the neighborhood should I go and have more of a conversation with? So really informing how I spend my time based on our actual success or, or also our areas of need um, and making decisions from real numbers, not just like pulling them out of nowhere. At the same time, um, in terms of my, my the flow of my day, I make scheduling decisions based on how I feel happiest and in flow. So I mentioned earlier, like I just can't meditate when I first wake up. It just, I just can't. Like I, I won't work out. It's, I don't know what happens. And I just today finally was like, that just doesn't work for me. So like, okay, that's fine. I'm gonna do it later at 4 p.m. when our bodies are actually supposed to slow down instead of eat sugar and caffeine anyway. So half I feel my decisions are informed from the business and informed from the needs of our community. But the other half um, of the way I go about executing those daily decisions is based on how I really feel happy without forcing anything. What are you most looking forward to in your life right now? Oh, man. Uh, more Shaktis. We're going to make more. They're going to be a little smaller, um, but we're going to make more. That's one. Yay. Uh, finishing my book because now I feel like, who am I? 
who even am I? Like, look at Katie. What the hell? <laughs> oh, no. I'm so excited for your book. You're, I'm looking at you and thinking your book needs to be out yesterday. <laughs> Girl, you just lit a fire under my ass. So thank you for that. Um, and then thirdly, just continuing to grow my self-love practice to the point where if I do choose to partner with somebody, um, it's somebody that's really going to um, elevate, elevate my life. And I really believe in partnering from that point forward and nothing less. So those are sort of the three things that I'm the most excited about right now. I love all those. (laughs) Okay. So this is the part where you get to just recommend things. So first thing that comes to your mind and I'll just give you a couple different categories. So book, it can either be a book that you've always loved, a book you read recently, anything you want to recommend to people. Yeah, I really love Elena Brower's Art of Attention because it is both a um, book with information, and I'm definitely a nerd, but it also has space for journaling. Cool. What about movie? Oh, geez. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I love movies. Um, Me too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, P.S. We have movie night here, so... <gasps> Oh my gosh, I'm just so excited. It's like everything. You like walks, you like avocado toast, you like turmeric. Like we could, can just snuggle and hang out all the time and moving to New York seems amazing now. <laughs> I'm really, I'm a huge fan of um, uh, Hispanic films. Like I really like documentaries in that genre. Um but also lately, I finally gave in to my, you know, crush on Ryan Gosling, and I watched um, Crazy Stupid Love and Lars and the Real Girl, and those are just two movies I watched recently that I was like, okay, so cute guy, but also, you know, great, great, um, gritty lessons and awesome humor. Cool. Yeah, I love those ones too. What about heroin? Another girl boss you look up to or love? Oh, a thousand percent my grandma. Like, a thousand million percent my grandma. Oh, I love that. What about song or music? Anything that you've been listening to on repeat or that you just have always loved or think people should check out music-wise? Yes, I really love... um, I really love unique female vocalists. And there's an album called Opia. It's sung by Marilee James. Um, and it just really gives a very intricate uh, story, both lyrically and vocally. I love it. What about podcasts? Is there um, another podcast that you really love or some that you like listening to? <laughs> well, yours? No. <laughs> um, well, obviously, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> I would say yeah, I would say I'm I'm am a little bit more of a, a music girl. So if I if I am listening to something, it's usually that. But like through this conversation, it's been exciting for me to go deeper into what it, it looks, feels, and sounds like um, to do a podcast because I actually can envision myself listening to something like this um, in in tandem with music. I think is if it's like you know really got something interesting, then I'll be down. Yeah, I love podcasts, and I'm sure that you would too. What about a quote or idea or like a mantra that you want to leave people with? 
Well, the mantra I'd like to leave everyone with is whatever they're feeling today, whatever they're working on, whatever they're interested in and inspired by or even struggling with, to trust that they're fully capable of navigating it, that it's all happening for a reason, and that they are truly loved. And if they are ever forgetful of that or you know need a place to go to come here, we will happily remind them to listen to your podcast where it's evident uh, what I'm saying and just to really own um, own all that they are because there is nobody else like them hmm. I love that thank you so much for sharing that and everything else that you shared before I ask you the final question let everyone know where they can find you and if anyone is in New York or visiting New York definitely go to Shakti Bar I can't wait to get there myself and how can people find you online and stay in touch with you on social media I'll obviously have everything in the show notes but if you want to just tell people quickly that's so sweet um, first of all good luck with your move you brave girl thank you um, we are <laughs> our first location is in Brooklyn uh, it's at 449 Keep Street which is pretty awesome you can get here from the L the G or the JMZ um, we are definitely more Instagram uh, family of Instagram so we're uh, Instagram you know dot com slash Shakti Bar we have a website shaktibar.com and um, on the website, you can also find my number and you can feel free to directly call me. Um, I'll always make time for you. Mm, love that. Well, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So when I offer that term to let it out, do you feel like you were able to let out everything you needed to on this podcast? Anything you wish I would have asked or anything you want to still share? I feel like you asked the exact right questions to let anybody let anything out you're just completely everything that you say that you are um so it made me feel comfortable to let everything out well i hope you had fun thank you so much for doing this and can we be friends forever (laughs) yes you're wonderful thank you so much that was my episode with Corinne I think she's great I'm so excited that we were able to meet and have this conversation and I can't wait to go to Shakti Bar more when I'm in the city and I hope you'll come too maybe we can do some live podcasts there and events and I don't know it would be really cool it's a great space all right thank you again for listening the emoji for this episode if you are still listening to my ramblings right now congratulations the emoji is the twinkle stars and I think you guys know what I mean when I say the twinkle stars I don't mean you know the one star that's pretty and all I mean it's like three little twinkles so tweet that at me at Shakti Bar comment it on our Instagrams just to let us know that you're still listening and it's a nice little symbol that we all have I guess okay I'm gonna go now I love you guys thank you again so much for listening and sharing and being my friends I just think you guys are really great. Oh, and who lives in Michigan, in Detroit? Should we do like a meetup before I leave? And then we'll for sure do one in New York once I get settled. But we should do a fun um, girls hang if you want. And boys, bring your boyfriends, whatever. Somebody brought their boyfriend in Philly and it was great. So that's part of it too. 
All right, I'm going to go now. Remember the twinkle stars. Bye.